Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. And in today's episode, I'm really excited to have back on the program, Dr. Rebecca Seagraves, to talk about the importance of physical therapy and occupational therapy after childbirth. This means like directly in the hospital. So if you're not familiar with Dr. C. Graves, she is a physical therapist and board certified women's health clinical specialist who has served individuals and families within the hospital and at home during pregnancy and immediately postpartum. She has extensive experience with optimizing function during long-term hospitalizations for high-risk pregnancy and following perinatal loss and pregnancy termination. In the hospital and home health settings, she has worked with maternal care teams to maximize early recovery after delivery, including cesarean section, birth-related injuries, and following obstetric critical care interventions. She is the founder of Enhanced Recovery After Delivery, an obstetrics clinical pathway that maximizes mental and physical function during pregnancy and immediately postpartum with hospital and in-home occupational and physical therapy. Her vision is that every person will have access to an obstetric rehab therapist during pregnancy and within the first six weeks after birth, perinatal loss, and the pregnancy termination, regardless of their location or ability to pay. So on today's episode, we talk about why it's so important to have a physical therapy and occupational therapy consult in the hospital post-childbirth. We talk about her experience in implementing these programs in hospitals in this in the United States, and she gives great tips and tools for other physical therapists and occupational therapists who might want to start this in the hospital they work in right now. So I'm really excited to have Rebecca on. She is a wealth of knowledge, and again, her uh, company is Enhanced Recovery After Delivery, so be sure to check them out. You can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, and you can click on the links uh, to find all of her information. So a big thank you to Dr. Seagrace for coming back on the podcast. And everyone, this is a really important episode, so make sure you listen all the way to the end because the information doesn't stop. So thanks everyone for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Rebecca, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on solo this time. So welcome back. Thank you. So excited to be here. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about, I know something that you're very passionate about, and I believe most healthcare practitioners should be passionate about, and that is physical therapy and occupational therapy care in the hospital after childbirth. So why is this such a passion project for you? Honestly, it was what happened in 2020 that really changed my career. I started out working with people after cancer. And I'll be honest with you, within two years, I thought I was going to burn out so I talk to students now and other early professionals that say, listen, if you thought physical therapy was 
you know, really on the front line of preventative care, it's you who has to make that change, right? And I found that within the first two years, I didn't want to be the one treating lymphedema after, you know, years and years or even months where we could have done things to prevent it. So early on in my career, I started a program where everyone after a mastectomy and a hysterectomy that was related to cancer received PT within the first three weeks so that we weren't seeing them after radiation. And so within two years, I was doing that out of PT school. And so in 2020, I decided I wanted to take a break from, from treating in oncology. I saw this really cool ad for a women's health clinical specialist in the hospital, in a, in a hospital um, in Texas. And I said, wow, I've never seen that before. Women's clinical specialists, pelvic health specialists were known to work in the outpatient clinic. What is this about? And that is what actually like was my first encounter treating women after um, you know, individuals after birth, after cesarean section within 24 to 48 hours after other pelvic surgeries. And I realized, whoa, this is this is a whole different population. I want to learn more about this. So that's kind of what got me on this path. And it only makes sense when you think about it, because most people, when they have some sort of major abdominal surgery, it, let's say we're talking about cesarean section first. So let's say you have a major abdominal surgery that's not childbirth related. You are probably seeing an occupational therapist or physical therapist before you can be discharged from the hospital because you have to make sure you can get out of bed. You have to make sure you can dress. You have to make sure you can walk, you know, let's say household distances before you can be discharged. But I don't know that that was happening for women after cesarean section. Um, what is that correct? That is correct. So uh -huh. I started out in acute care, um, you know, working here and there in acute care, especially as a student, right? One of our clinical rotations, at least at that time when I graduated, had to be in acute care. And so in acute care, we were seeing individuals after hernia repair. Now, for people who don't, you know, understand really what, what is all involved around that, that's not a major open abdominal surgery. Usually they're not having to make a large incision through the skin, the fascia, the fat, the muscles to repair a hernia. That would be, that would really defeat the purpose. They're doing that laparoscopically through uh, robots, right? Very small incisions. So the fact that in the hospital, we were treating people after a hernia repair or after gallbladder surgery, or after, here's a common one, appendix removal, appendectomy. And we were teaching them how to get in and out of bed, how to make sure to monitor their own vital signs in case they were getting short, short of breath, if they um, you know, were still recovering or weaning off of the anesthesia, um, and just making sure that they could do things like stand in the shower, that they didn't need a shower chair to sit down because in the hospital, you have a shower seat. We wanted to make sure that they could actually do one of the most demanding activities, which is actually showering, you know, upright. And so we were doing that for the general acute care population. And so when I encountered an individual after a cesarean section, we're going nine layers deep, you know, including the layers of the uterus into the abdomen. It's a huge major surgery. And we weren't even laying their bed down flat, taking away the rails and helping them in and out of bed, let alone 
being able to carry their baby while they were na- negotiating their home. That was a game changer for me. I was like, we, we have to change this. Absolutely. And cutting, having that major abdominal surgery and pulling out a human being that you've been carrying for nine months. So talk about different changes within the body. And now you have to navigate a whole different body than you've just had. And you, they have the baby and they give you the baby. And it's okay. Bye. Yeah. Um, and it's true. And and we often, right. We often will say those who've had a baby, right. Are going to, you know, again, be fine. They have the endorphins, they're bonding. They really don't need OT and PT to interrupt that, that golden hour. And I've heard arguments from both sides, but what really sealed the deal for me was actually treating individuals after a cesarean section who had lost their baby as well. Mm. And I realized these are still individuals after birth. They're still in the postpartum recovery period. And so they don't have the endorphins. They're not bonding with their infants. And now all they can think about is the pain, right? You can say the mental, the emotional, the, the, the pain associated with their grief, as well as the surgical recovery that if we're not giving them those tools, those basic tools that we just talked about for the general acute care post-abdominal surgery population, how much more, right, are those impairments down the road? How much more could we potentially prevent for that population in terms of postpartum um, anxiety and mood disorders? Yeah. Yeah. And physical complications that can go along with it. So what should physical therapists and occupational therapists, you can separate those out. Um, What should PTs and OTs be assessing in a person after childbirth in the hospital setting. So let's say, let's say it exists, right? In an ideal world, every single person after childbirth is having a physical therapy and occupational therapy consult. So let's say there's someone listening who works in a hospital and they say, I want to start this in my hospital. What do they need to do? First, recognize the two fields are very different. Occupational physical therapists, we lump them in like they're one word, OTPT. (laughs) Right. And so I had to learn from an occupational therapist, actually a pediatric occupational therapist, that my skill set, right, to assess mobility, transfers in and out of bed, you know, making sure vital signs were stable with negotiating stairs were very different from someone who's focusing on their ability to bathe and dress themselves, their ability to care for their newborn their ability to prep meals or to even arrange for transportation, say if they're still on narcotics, but their infant has to have their first pediatrician visit within the first week. So I realized early on working with this population in the hospital, I needed my OT counterpart. I needed someone to really focus this individual's attention on their own self-care and their ability to not only care for their newborn, but many times those individuals had toddlers at home. And so I formed a team as early as I could with, um, again, it was a children's hospital, right? With a wing dedicated for maternal care. But I formed a team with 
the therapists who were working in that um, hospital at the time were pediatric therapists and really started to focus on what did OTs do in this um, uh, you know, area of function? What would PT's role be? And really start to define what that team care looked like, um, you know, from a rehabilitation standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to f- focus on um, vital signs in each of these different activity areas. And so vital signs were not being tested with activity. And that's really the takeaway message that I want people to understand is that a person can be up and walking, right? Within 24 to 48 hours after giving birth. But if we're not taking into account what their environment looks like, if they have a high rise, if they have a a second story, they don't have elevator access. If they're a single mom and they maybe have other kids at home, who is going to help them even take the carrier up the stairs? Yeah. You know, we were encountering a lot of individuals with that. So we really had to define our roles as, as OTs and PTs and really uh, start a team approach that that covered all the areas. And what, what are you, let's say specifically, let's say someone has to be discharged from the hospital. What is the criteria for hospital discharge from an occupational therapy standpoint and a physical therapy standpoint? From an OT standpoint, they should be independent with being able to monitor their own vital signs during more prolonged activity that's involved in bathing and dressing and caring for their newborn. Are they able to walk and carry their newborn safely without the risk of falling or dropping their infant? I worked in a large hospital where we actually tracked how many infant drops there were, um, you know, per, per, um, hospital stay. So you can kind of imagine if we were able to track that, you know, we, we definitely should have had an OT on the team to actually prepare people how to not only be mobile during functional activity, but be mobile specifically with newborn activity. Mm -hmm. And so a PT looking at discharge would be looking at mobility, um, the ability of that person to protect if they had a cesarean section, to protect their incision getting in and out of bed. If they had a tailbone injury or a symphysis pubis injury, that is a full stop with me. I definitely wanna see that person using an assistive device and not table or furniture walking to get around their room, right? Mm -hmm. Because they can't carry their baby at home. Um, And I'm concerned also about them negotiating stairs if that is um, a a barrier to them entering their home. And so a full evaluation by both disciplines is recommended after any type of delivery, because even if they really do check all the boxes, that's a low complex evaluation. We have done our due diligence Mm -hmm. as rehab professionals to make sure that this person is at um, safe to go home their vital signs are stable and they are capable of caring for this themselves and their newborn without exceeding their weightlifting precautions. If they, there are, you know, after C-section right. or exceeding their body's, um, you know, physiology in terms of their blood pressure going too high and putting them at risk for preeclampsia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm going to play hospital administrator right now. Okay. 
because this kind of came into my head. So PT and Ote, they evaluate not ready, not given the green light to go home yet. They cannot navigate their space with their newborn yet. They need another day or two in the hospital. The hospital says, this is our average stay after after whether it's vaginal childbirth or cesarean childbirth. How does how does that conversation go? Your conversation with that scenario is always going to turn it around and focus on how you're saving the hospital money by preventing a readmission. A conversation should always be in favor of what that administration cares most about. And right now is turnover. I mean, ever since the COVID pandemic and a lot of people, I was kind of floored that they didn't realize that the average hospital stay after a vaginal delivery was between two to three days, maybe mm-hmm. after a cesarean section was between three to four. That dropped back. Um, mainly ACOG was concerned about the risk of infection or exposure to COVID. And so when they dropped that back to one or two days after a vaginal Mm -hmm. delivery in two to three, we really started to focus then on getting people out as fast as possible. Within three months of that change in my hospital system, I saw three different women all after their first cesarean section, they all came back with infections, with their um, cesarean incisions separating, causing them to have wound vacs, and Mm -hmm. on average, a length of nine days in the hospital. That was the turning point where I really started to focus on preventing readmissions. Mm -hmm. Because not only around that period were we seeing readmissions from cesarean incision dehiscence and infection, we were seeing readmissions from preeclampsia. So I was able to sell the team on doing vital signs with activity to see if these individuals were really ready to negotiate this environment, right? That we had them separate from their families. This was during COVID that we were able to actually establish automatic orders for everyone after C-section. But during COVID, they didn't have the support at home because people were staying apart. So if we were able to do that in that large hospital system, which at the time was delivering about 500 babies a month, I say to any large metropolitan hospital or rural hospital, focus on readmissions, focus on preventing what we're all trying to address, which is the maternal mortality and morbidity Mm -hmm. crisis in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how many people are on the team? So you said you were in a hospital, let's say delivering 500 babies a month, right? There's going to be therapists listening to this in more rural hospitals where maybe there's only, I don't know, six beds, four beds. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the dip what the difference you, you would know better than I would. So what is sort of the PT OT ratio, PT OT to patient ratio? What is in an ideal world where money is no object? In an ideal world, it would not be two therapists, which is which is exactly what was on my team in 2020 when we started this initiative. We had two therapists 
And at the time, I was the only one seeing patients with COVID. You know, um, you know, patients, individuals who had uh, COVID during pregnancy or immediately uh, postpartum. So we were slammed. We were not ready for automatic mm-hmm. orders to see everyone after cesarean section. And you know, for your listeners, not everyone realizes this, but a cesarean section is the most commonly performed surgery in the United States. That's more than knee replacements. That's more than hip replacements, shoulder replacements. So if you have a dedicated ortho team, dedicated OTPT team, that's seeing however many knee replacements or hip replacements, you know, a day, think about whatever that ratio is in your hospital currently, might have to really then focus on, well, how many cesarean sections are being performed? How many of say these high degree lacerations um, are, are, are being experienced like third and fourth degree perennial tears, mm-hmm. how many tailbone injuries, you really have to break it down and start prioritizing this population. Because in an ideal world, you would have a whole dedicated team to just the maternity population like you would the ortho population, where you would the renal floor, where you would the cardiac floor. Mm-hmm. It is its own entity that has been for too long neglected. So yes. it really, the ratio, I mean, I was seeing between 13 to 16 patients a day and any acute care therapist will say, what? Hold the phone. But wow. we're talking about a high volume. Birth is high volume, okay? And so really the idea behind providing OT and PT for this population is to address where we are as a country. And among the most developed nations in the world, the United States has the highest maternal mortality rate that's climbing. Mm-hmm. So sooner or later, we're going to have to join the, the national efforts of, of providers, of consultants, of doulas, of midwives, of all these birth professionals. OTs and PTs are going to have to get on board. We're going to have to start at the graduate school level of making this population as routine as your orthopedic, as your cardiopulmonary, as your neurologic population. Yeah. I, I mean, I look back to when I worked in a hospital and there was nothing for, for people after childbirth, zero, nothing. And I even think about my own sister after she gave birth, um, she gave birth very fine, no problems, no major complications. She goes back, she she goes out of the birthing room to a room in the hospital, baby's in the nursery. She has to go to the bathroom. The nurse comes in, she gets up and she hits the floor, passes out cold in the bathroom, right? And I think like no one, not myself included, mind you, no one was monitoring vital signs of her at all no, nothing, nothing. And she, you know, they, then all these nurses rush in and they take her out and she was not well, you know, and it was, um, that's traumatic too. That's traumatic for a new mom, you know, cause then you're like, oh my gosh, like from a psychological standpoint, am I ready to take care of this baby? I can't even go to the bathroom without passing out. You know what I mean? Um, and so I still remember that. And as you're speaking, I'm like, man, she would have really benefited from an occupational therapist and a physical therapist coming in and seeing her after 
she gave birth. I think so. I mean, I have to, and this is, I say I a lot. And I, I realized that we as a team depended on our nurses because we were really focusing on the elephant in the room with cesarean section, mm-hmm. but it was our nurses who started to pay more attention when they realized what our overall goal was. And our overall goal was to reduce the amount that they had to do. A nurse in the OB has to monitor both the infant and the mom. Mm-hmm. They simply do not have time to take active vital signs to go through a person's home environment like a case manager would. Mm-hmm. It's just not done on this floor. It's not done with this population. You know, we have relatively, I mean, healthy people and birth is not a medical, uh, you know, I mean, we've made it into a medical procedure, but it's the most natural thing that known to humankind, right? right. It's and not so an emergency. The species is not an emergency. Usually. Right? Unless it is. Right. Yeah. I don't right. want to say usually not an emergency. <laughs> Right. So in a normal situation, a nurse has enough already on, on mm-hmm. their plate. And so for those individuals who have lost maybe more blood than normal, mm-hmm. or, you know, if they were on any medication that was really, um, really high, like Pitocin, you know, really causing a lot of uterine contractions, and it was just um, kind of depleting their energy. Mm-hmm. They had to have emergency section or whatever it is, a nurse now has that much more to monitor, but that still leaves them in the same position of not being able to assess this person's home environment, their social support system, whether or not they have toddlers at home, whether or not, um, you know, they have other, um, you know, factors that are kind of impacting uh, their recovery. And to ask them to take vital signs before and after or during activity to go up and down the stairs to make sure this person can stand in a hot shower, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and prevent them from falling over. That's a lot to ask on our OB nurses. Yeah. Guess what? That leaves a whole field for us as therapists to really, really uh, gravitate towards in order to improve that person's ability to recover from a major, major, major event. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is exactly what physical therapists and occupational therapists can pitch to their hospital administrators to institute or to um, to start up these programs within their hospital system is listen, if you bring your occupational therapist and physical therapist in, we will become a great team member to your nurses. We'll be able to take some things off the nurse's plate. We'll be able to, you know, assess. So you've got a team approach. You've got taking pressure off the nurses. You've got um, hopefully lack of readmissions after discharge, right? So these are all positives that people can take to their hospital administrators, whether it's a large hospital system or a small rural hospital in, you know, the middle of America. I think these are, these are great, great talking points. And you bet. And I mean, I'm leaving out probably the most important one, at least as of this year, (laughs) this year, as of 2022, right? We have started to see statistics that the leading cause of death postpartum is now suicide, suicide. 
And so this is a huge mental health component because not only can we do all of those things you just mentioned, we could actually probably turn someone's life around in a way of they have a support team that's focused on their function. If you're an athlete, right? I'm, I'm an athlete. I love mountain biking, love skiing now. I love, you know, high intense energy sports. I just have a baby. I still identify as an athlete. I want to get back to my sport. And I've mm-hmm. encountered moms who climb as well. You know, they either indoor or outdoor rock climb. And that's so inherent to their identity that I've been asked within 24 hours of seeing a mom, you know, who had a very high degree tear. It was um, uh, borderline grade four, really. It was like yeah. that last grade, grade three C. And all she could think about is, is this going to affect me getting back into the gym? She, and she even apologized for it. She said, I, I know this sounds weird. I should be thinking about my baby, but this means so much to me. Right. Because she was hoping for that six week um, check, you know, off for her to return to activity. Right. As moms are are told, um, unfortunately, not not true for the most part. Recovery is much longer than that. But that was her focus. And that's what I directed my treatment towards. Right. I directed it in a way that got her thinking about the future and getting her back into that role eventually, even though we had a lot to cover between now and then. And to me, that was a turning point for me as well, because I started thinking, had I not been there, you know, and had I been one of those providers that are just like, don't overdo it and give you nothing more, mm-hmm. right? That person is going to sit with that. They're going to sit with their pain. They're going to sit sit with the uncertainty, um, kind of the lack of specific information that they could be doing that takes control back into their hands. And that's going to wear on their mental health. So my pitch would include all of the above in addition to enhancing someone's mental health, their self-efficacy, their quality of life, and probably reducing at, at you know, for a lot of our population, the risk for them to hurt themselves, mm-hmm. either un- unintentionally or in, um, intentionally, you know, just because of, of the turmoil that they're still in. You know, some of our moms are really suffering with PTSD from having that unexpected birth that didn't go as planned. Right, right. Yeah, and it's also an opportunity for the physical therapist or occupational therapist in the hospital setting to say, especially a woman like you just described, hey, you know something? Here are some options for an outpatient care after you're discharged. So here are your options. I'm going to talk to, I'm going to put this in your chart. We're going to talk to the doctor about this to make sure you're taken care of afterwards. Because most women have no idea that's an option. It's so true. Um, my pelvic health therapists are going to love me for sending, um, you know, about 60 more percent of, uh, of your caseload to you, but it's true. It was a direct referral for our outpatient therapist. Yeah. And it was an opportunity for me to even connect with our orthotherapist. I said, guys, listen, this is not necessarily a pelvic health issue until it is, until it is. Mm-hmm. And so I found that someone having issues just with muscle and tissue healing, right? Muscle recovery, they could see an orthopedic specialist as well. Sure. You know, general physical therapist in the outpatient or home setting. Um, we offer that for, for our people after a knee replacement. They have the choice now if they can mm-hmm. have their therapy in the home and be charged as outpatient. Yep. 
Absolutely. And so the more that, yeah, the more that we normalize this is, is, it's a matter of time at this point for me is that I teach people to pitch now to hospitals, to administrators, because it's just a matter of time until we're all saying the same thing and really offering an expansion of services for this population like we do anyone else. But it's a strong pitch for us to include our outpatient ortho folks who mm-hmm. really can see the value of treating early tissue healing and repair, right? Because that's what it really is but yeah. before it becomes unaddressed and turns into a pelvic health issue. So I don't want my pelvic health therapist to think, oh my gosh, I'm already booked three months out. I can't, I can't get this person in. Well, that's when we start to really um, start forming teams. And if we can do it in acute care, we can do it for our outpatient ortho folks to get them prepared to see the, the postpartum population. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's such a great opportunity to be a part of your physical therapy community or occupational therapy community in your, in your town or in your city, right? Because oftentimes in physical therapy, we tend to be siloed, right? You've got your inpatient PTs, you've got your skilled nursing, you've got your home health, you've got your ortho, you've got your ultra sports, right? There, you don't see this huge crossover. And I think it's one of the biggest, um, problems with our profession and why we're not at the forefront of care across all of these platforms because of this lack of communication and lack of cooperation. That's just my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this, it brings us full circle to this conversation because like I said, I started in oncology and I have to give it to them. They're probably the most interconnected, you know, area of, of health that we have are, you know, oncology, uh, professionals who literally have, I mean, you can argue, well, it's a, a system of silos, but I don't think so. I've found that there was a lot of interdisciplinary care and I was at the table and grand, grand rounds. I was at the, uh, you know, the table where, where I was really um, valued for my input, working with OTs, working with registered dietitians, working with um, oncology case managers. And it was a coordinated team. And I found that I just brought that same approach to obstetrics when I started mm-hmm. in 2020. I wasn't practicing heavily in obstetrics like I am now because I really, you know, I, I didn't see a need for it. I was guilty. I was working in a silo and I was like, well, you know, if they have an issue, you know, I'll see them then. I wasn't really thinking preventatively. I didn't realize mm-hmm. the scope of the issue as it is now. And if we use that same interdisciplinary approach, that community approach, and we didn't silo ourselves with this population, I think the care could be so much more than it is now. Yeah. And wouldn't it be amazing in 10 years from now or five years from now, if there's more of this type of care after childbirth, wouldn't it be great to see that maternal mortality rates go down? And is there a connection between the two? I'm... I'm basing my career off of it Uh as a physical therapist. I am making a claim and I want someone to prove me wrong, but I'm making a claim that if we were as OTs and PTs offered our services, if we offered our services in the hospital after birth, we would see the maternal mortality rate and morbidity rate go down. 
We are the only professionals who do what we do with assess vital signs paired with functional activity who could spot someone who might be at risk of preeclampsia or readmitted back, you know, because of a stroke or a brain bleed or a cardiac event because they overdid it mm-hmm. without being given specific information that's specific to their home environment, to their social situation, to their support that they have at home. We're the only providers who do what we do. And if we were on the team, my claim is that we will see these numbers drop in terms of our morbidity rates and our mortality rates. The two are different, but right now we have a morbidity rate, meaning we have people that are suffering with short and long-term complications after birth throughout the first year and beyond. Mm -hmm. I think we can absolutely change that. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate something that you just said that as physical therapists and occupational therapists, we're going in and individualizing the needs of each person. So this is not at the physical therapist and occupational therapist go in and give a pamphlet and give some, you know, basics of self-care and then you're discharged. So I just want to make sure that people know what you're talking about here, that it's not just a cookie cutter here's a pamphlet, here are some parameters to watch out for, you know, good luck. This is right. You are not giving a handout. You are not giving a handout and walking away. You are taking that person's blood pressure, their heart rate, their oxygen, and you're measuring it over time, over the length of the activity that they're doing. You're taking that person's support system. You're modifying ways that they can do more with less energy right? It's very specific to that individual and giving them a handout is not the same as providing OT and PT. That's not going to reduce the rates that I'm talking about. It needs to be individualized care. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to make sure that everyone was very, very clear on that point. Um, So as we start to wrap things up, what points, what are the main takeaways for our listeners, whether they're physical therapists, occupational therapists, or none of the above. Maybe they're just moms. Maybe they are people who want to become moms or dads or, you know, trying to start a family. Yeah. So I have always uh, believed this, even when I worked in oncology, is that change is going to be person-driven, not really professional or provider-driven, right? We see the, the, the issues, but we're out on the front line and, you know, some of us are you know, yelling until we lose our voice. This has to be individual driven. This has to actually come from the birthing community that is affecting more, right? When you've had an experience and say you want to still expand your family, but when you've had an experience of a birth that didn't go quite as planned, or you are that individual that tried to get up from the toilet within the first 24 hours and fell down, or you found that you weren't really listened to or you didn't feel heard, but yet you're going to expand your family or you know someone else who's going to go into the hospital after birth, here's what you say. You say, don't leave the hospital without an OT, without an PT consult. You ask for that consult. Chances are you'll get one of two responses. You'll you'll maybe hear, well, we don't ever get that request. We don't have PTs, OTs, you know, to provide those services. And you respond by saying, well, I like to try anyway. I'd like to actually have that person come to my room. I'd like you to make an exception for me. 
This has to be individual driven and you have to keep asking in different ways for the same thing, but it has to come from you first. As an OTPT listening to this, you're going to come up against barriers and barriers and barriers. But once you start making connections with individuals who understand what it is you can do to help them, they will advocate for you. And it's easier right now as a patient to ask for services and receive them than it is for an OT and PT to demand that your services be offered to everyone. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more pushback, but start with the people that you're helping, convince them, and they will advocate for your services. Yeah. It's those little individual drops that make a movement, right? So the more individual drops we can get, then we can make a, we can become part of a movement. And once you're part of a movement, then you start to see more systemic changes. Absolutely. And your insurance will more likely reimburse reimburse and the provider will feel good about asking for your services if their patients want it. Yeah. We didn't get pushback when we were actually asked for, you want people to ask for you. And so really my take home message is for the OTs and PTs listening is start talking about what you do more. Don't assume that everyone knows. Start talking about what you do. What you do is awesome and tell everyone you can about it. Yeah. Great advice. And now where can people find you if they have questions, they want some follow-up, they want you to come to their hospital and speak to their administrators or coach them on how to do so, where can they find you? Enhanced recovery after delivery. That one website will take you to the program that I teach to OTs and PTs, the facility trainings that I do specific to that facility, whether it's in a rural area or a large metropolitan center, doesn't really matter. And also ask questions, gain information, you know, get free checklists, you know, just things that you can start to pile in your toolbox when you have those hard conversations, when you have that pushback, uh, you'll find everything on there. Perfect. One more time. What is the website? Enhanced recovery after delivery.com. Perfect. And we will have the link to that at our podcast website at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And then last question, question I ask everyone is what advice would you give, let's say to your 20 year old self? Mountain bike more and ski more. Girl, get out and have some fun. Take life too seriously. Totally. I would uh, I would have been doing what I'm doing now a lot sooner. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, awesome. Awesome. Great advice. And Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing all of your knowledge around the importance of hospital care after childbirth from occupational therapists and physical therapists. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Karen. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.